You're listening to Tabletop Arcanum, a podcast dedicated to learning and exploring the hobby of tabletop gaming. Your hosts are Justin Taylor and Richard Geese, so sit back and relax as we talk, discuss, and joke our way through the hobby we love so much. The forces of evil are threatening to overrun Hogwarts Castle in Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle, a cooperative deck-building game, and it's up to four students to ensure safety of the school by defeating villains and consolidating their defenses. In the game, players take on the role of a Hogwarts student, Harry, Ron, Hermione, or Neville, each with their own personal deck of cards that's used to acquire resources. By gaining influence, players add more cards to their deck in the form of iconic characters, spells, and magical items. Other cards allow them to regain health or fight against villains, keeping them from gaining power. The villains set back players with their attacks and dark arts. Only by working together will the players be able to defeat all the villains, securing the castle from the forces of evil. Welcome to Tabletop Arcanum. This week we're talking about Harry Potter, Hogwarts Battle. And of course, we're your hosts. Justin, and I think you tricked me here. You said we're talking about Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I gotcha! Uh... And of course, me, Ricky... The kid who does nothing but play Hogwarts Battle, talking to you about Hogwarts Battle. So yeah, here we go. Yeah, so you've talked about this for eighteen episodes. Yeah, it's that good. Eighteen. I guess it's time to do a genuine review of it because I don't have always nice things to say about this game. All right, fair enough. So uh, before we start, let's jump straight into our roll recap. And yes, I'll jump in first and go for it. say uh, Harry Potter, Harry Potter, Harry Potter. Harry Potter, Harry Potter, Harry Potter, Telestrations. Harry Potter edition. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I played uh, more Harry Potter because, of course, I did. And then uh, Easter was this past weekend, and I uh, hung out with my girlfriend's family and played some Telestrations. Nice. Yeah. Uh, you missed one, though. Oh, yes. After Call to Adventure, we played Call to Adventure because we felt the call to adventure. Right. A lot of Harry Potter for you. Uh, I played a little bit to brush up again because it's been a while since I played. But also got to um, put some plastic ships on the ground, uh, roll some plastic dice and make pew-pew noises playing some X-Wing. Shortly after last episode was also when the giant packages showed up with Cthulhu Wars. And immediately that week after I unboxed it, checked everything, made sure everything was okay, inventoried, repacked it. Brought to the board game night, friendly local gaming store, and then we played it. It was great. And, okay. It was a lot of fun. It looks a lot heavier than it is. There is a lot of deep strategy to the game, but straight off the box, it's a big, heavy game that doesn't take a lot of setup. You pull the board out, you put it out there, everybody picks whatever faction they're playing, you put your few starting pieces, and the game's set up. There's no, like, decks of cards. or th- It's so streamlined in the sense of... Set up, go, play. That's good, because just looking at all the boxes that you have, you were able to stack those up, and I'm pretty sure they towered over you. Almost. I'm pretty tall. Yeah. But they were definitely taller than my wife. (laughs) Also, we got to bust out some other weird, like, small games at one point uh, over the week, that weekend. um, Got a copy of Catching the Moon from Gamma. Neat little, like, dexterity-based game where you're stacking, like, rudimentary laser-cut ladders. 
and you roll a die and figure out what you have to do. And if you screw it up, then the moon cries and the person who makes the moon cry the least wins. Trivia game called I Know. Pretty simple, straightforward, you know, Pictionary trivia game. Played Treasure Island again. This time I was Long John Silver, and it was great. Though, blasted pirates got my treasure. Uh, some Five Crowns. Played Arkham Horror, the card game. I'm still in the same scenario with the LCG night. Tomorrow is LCG night again, and we are going after the same scenario. More Gloomhaven. Played another scenario of Gloomhaven. And specifically that night, stayed in the store, open. Had the store stay open late because not only the owner was very excited, but we were very excited because that was the night before Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle Earth came out. So he did a kind of a, a soft midnight launch and kept the store open and sold copies at midnight as soon as uh, the street date was available. And then we, of course, broke it out and played it. I'm looking at it. It's cool. Yeah. It's cool. So much so. In not next episode, but episode twenty-one, we're going to review it. And I'm pretty hyped. I'm pretty hyped to actually get down to the nitty-gritty and play it. It you sent me pictures. It was beautiful. And I would want to get it reviewed a little bit faster than that. But however, there's a lot of game there, and I want to mm-hmm. actually get into the campaign and, and get a couple scenarios deep before I actually make that formulated opinion of it. Yeah. So. That's my role recap, because I've played that a couple times now. What was it? We had 13 players playing it at once. It's mm-hmm. up to five players, so we spread it amongst three different groups. But it was a lot of people playing, and it was really good to, to kind of lead that group and go, okay, this is what we're doing. And everyone was up and running, pretty much running on their own pretty quickly. Nice. Um, it, it, if you've played some of the other Fantasy Flight dungeon crawling games, you're going to pick this one up fast. going to talk about it in... a two episodes because next episode is actually going to be about gen con prepping because the events for gen con are going to go live they're coming very fast quick, yeah so we wanted to get jumping on that before uh, it became like old news yeah speaking of news speaking of news um there were a few things uh announced this week come on games is continuing their video game board game crossovers uh we're about to see a one to four player god of war card game Mm -hmm. um it's a co-op co-op game you play together to save midgar from ragnarok um not too much is out just yet but it does look it looks fun yeah we just passed uh the one year mark since that game hit ps4 last year Mm -hmm. from santa monica studios so good timing Mm -hmm. um because they, you know, Santa Monica was kind of releasing like, hey, it's been one year, fun stuff. And then, and, and come on, comes out and says, hey, we got this game coming. So, interesting. Yeah. We'll see if it uh, has some legs. I know they did like Bloodborne and, and some other video game IP games. Yeah, Dark so. Souls and Bloodborne. Oh. Uh, no, Dark Souls was... Um, Steamforge games. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they released a full trailer for Bloodborne, though, mm-hmm. to give more of a background into it. It does look very interesting. Um, I'm going to actually get my hands on that too. Yep. See how that goes. Um, I did see Van Ryder Games uh, is coming out with a game by the name of Final Girl, which, if you're unfamiliar with the horror movie trope, uh, Final Girl is the last female protagonist in a slasher movie that then turns around and hunts the killer. So it's going to be 
similar to the previous game, Hostage uh, Negotiator, but you're going to play in a card game pretty much against um, a serial killer or a series of serial killers um, trying to survive and uh, come out on top. So that looked very interesting. Van Ryder game has been known for some pretty decent releases, so I am excited. I'm hoping that by Gen Con we can at least see something there. We did have the Nintendo Switch announcement for Catan. Yep. So June 20th, we're going to see uh, Sellers Catan on the Switch. Be able to take that with us everywhere. And I love Catan. I can never find people to play with me, so it's kind of nice to be able to load it up and... Wood for sheep for yourself. Yeah. We're also looking at, I do believe we talked about the Gamma really, or the Gamma episode, mm-hmm. the reprint of Doom. Right. So that's, Gale Force 9 is coming back with a new edition worth of Dune, which we haven't seen since uh, 80s, I want to say. It's been like 35 years since the last one, so yeah. Yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah. And it's one of those like grail games that people actually look and seek out for because it was very, very well done at the time. Um, I'm really interested in seeing how they modernize it and dress it up and, and get... Like you said, we got like three decades here worth of game advancement and mechanics advancements that mm-hmm. we can probably streamline and make that game a little bit cleaner and a little bit nicer for yeah. a modern era worth of gaming. We are looking at the Wave 5 of Star Wars X-Wing by Fantasy Flight Games. That came out of the Celebration announcements, so that was a fun one. That's going to be fun. They have uh, quite a few new ships coming out. Um, Some 1.0 ships coming up to 2.0, like the Ghost, and mm-hmm. um, what else was in there? Uh, Tie Inquisitor was in there. Mm-hmm. But then we've got some new ships. So the Nanix-class Starfighter, which is the Separatist um, Geonosian ship that mm-hmm. like um, Count Dooku escapes on, mm-hmm. that little ship. Um, you get the uh, Y-Wing that was the Rebels-era Y-Wing, the very early editions of those. Uh, Punishing One, which is your Jump Master mm-hmm. ship, and the M three M three A Starfighter for Scum. So everybody's getting a little bit of something there. Yeah, well, something, something. And then we were looking at those Warlock tiles. Yes, uh, they showed them off at Gamma, but then there really wasn't any information. But uh, this was the Wizkids. Wizkids uh, mm-hmm. tiles are coming. Um, they're still very, very loose on details. It's really just kind of what they showed off at Gamma, but that kind of got publicly posted now. So Mm -hmm. it's still all to be determined. However, they are double-sided. So you have your dungeon on one side and then kind of like an indoor tavern-y side on the other side, which is a very smart use of space. Mm -hmm. And everything kind of is supposedly going to be clicking together so you can... Build these rooms, build these walls out of these tiles. Mm-hmm. And the cost of them seems to be on the reasonable side, very much like the WizKids minis, where you can get like two minis for five bucks. You're getting a set of tiles for, I think it's 50 for once uh, for the small set. And I think they have a large set that is, they're, they're ballparking 80 to, 80 to 100, I think. Mm-hmm. Again, this has all been very much, uh, even in the images and stuff that they shared, were very much like, this is what we're projecting. Nothing's final still. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think they've got a good idea because they've got the individual minis. They've got the monster minis. They've got the items like tables, chairs, mm-hmm. um, columns, stuff like that. 
treasure, camp, uh, an adventure camp set's coming up. They've got all these sorts of things, but they don't have the rooms, the floors, the walls. Yeah. So it was kind of the next organic thing for them, and I'm, I'm really excited for those. Yeah. We also saw um, Cass that we talked to mm-hmm. on our last episode. Uh, he posted a video uh, shortly after uh, our last episode. Um, they're teasing their their new tiles and those look pretty slick they, yep. i don't i don't know exactly how it's set up i do believe it's magnetic but just looking at how all of them interlock yes that was very cool so we're, we're also keeping an eye out for uh more tomb guardian re- uh, releases right now right speaking of cast and the tomb guardian um queen of the damned was very successful they raised over twelve thousand dollars got the lich queen unlocked and everything so uh, congratulations, Cass, if you guys are listening. Yeah. That was uh, super cool to watch your campaign as, uh, as it went. And more and more people I've heard are more excited about this board game part that they're developing. So mm-hmm. um, we'll probably you know talk a little bit more about that when it gets a little bit closer in Gen Con era, I'm going to guess. Yeah. When we actually get a little more details from that. Yeah. So... Is that everything in the news? Well, to bring it back to last episode, we did announce the giveaway, and we do have our winner. That is some news. That is some great news. So, um, Jason Cop, you are our winner of the Call to Adventure. You heard that call. It's coming straight to you. Uh, we'll be reaching mm-hmm. out to you shortly, giving you getting all your information so we can get it out to you as soon as possible. Yeah, kind of need to know where to send it. Yeah. But... It's ready in our possession, ready to go. So once we get those details locked down, it'll be on the way for you to play. Yeah. Thanks, everyone who entered. Thank you, Brotherwise Games, for sending us a copy to give to our listeners. Absolutely. Great experience. All right. So jumping into the nitty-gritty of the game that I've spent so much of my life playing. The game that you've gotten other non-gamers to play. So... And I've gotten other non-gamers to get other non-gamers to get other non-gamers to play. So it's, there we go. it's a very impressive game in that kind of aspect. So, so uh, without further ado, Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle is a two to four player deck cooperative deck building game put out by USAopoly, now, now known the, as the OP. Mm-hmm. So you get to play as one of the four quote-unquote main characters... Harry himself, Ron, Hermione, and Neville Longbottom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as you kind of build your deck, and they're all a little bit, little bit different from each other to start with, and as you build cards into your deck, you get a little bit more specialized, a little bit more design. Um, plays about 30 to 60 minutes. Uh, as we'll go into more details during gameplay, the game grows with you. So at the same time, your early games are going to be your 30-minute games. But as you play more and get more deeper into it, you will get those longer games. I've actually played a two-hour game before because mm-hmm. it just was grueling, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah. So let's talk about first impressions. Ricky, you start this one off. Aesthetically, it's it's amazing. I do like the moment that you open the box. Mm-hmm. And... It's a trunk from Hogwarts. Yeah. The board is set up so that you open it in the one of the backsides of the panel looks like the contents of one of the students chests mm-hmm. so that was a ton of fun um they have it set up like you said um so that it grows with you so you open it up you have seven different boxes for seven different games and aesthetically it's just pleasing 
after you get through all of it, the only downside I see is everything doesn't fit in there that I would like the way that I would like it to fit unless you break everything down and put it right back into the original boxes and put them back where they're supposed to go. You have a couple of options when it comes to that. Uh, the, the actual storage and design, they've got the side side lot and they actually give you the dividers so that you mm-hmm. can actually have everything divided up and easy to go. So you can actually take everything out of those boxes as you progress through the story arc mm-hmm. per se. And with that, you can keep everything out of those boxes and then just kind of stack them up and you're you're good to go on the side. But they kind of give you the options of how do you want to do this. There's lots of mm-hmm. flexibility in the box and none of it seems to be half thought. It, it It's pretty well thought out. It's pretty well thought out. They thought out leaving room for expansions. Mm-hmm. So the only downside is when you're trying to pull things out of there, things just kind of slide around. Yep. Um, it is so. one that personally I would make my own divider for the inside of it but everything is very nicely laid out within it opening up the box okay so first impressions aesthetically pleasing Mm -hmm. pretty well laid out the rule book is also very laid out in a step-by-step this is you know game one you've never played a deck builder before let's teach you how to play a deck building game Mm mm-hmm do this, do this, do this. All right, open box one. Grab these cards. Do this with them. Mm-hmm. And it brings you in such a way where it holds your hand enough to get you going, and then let's go after that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen a lot of rule books where that learning, you know, they don't know when to let go, or they don't give you enough to let you go on your own. Mm-hmm. But this this hit like a nice, easy walk-in spot. So with the components... You got your standard card size cards. It's just like your magic or, or 52 card decks. There's other components that come in there that are very nice. The tokens themselves are pretty hefty, uh, heavier cardboard. The dark marks that kind of be the bad guy's progression mm-hmm. are like a little bit of like a cast metal. I'm not sure about your copy, but mine kind of, they kind of came stuck together and I had to come like use some pliers and rip them apart initially, but. Mine were all separate. Oh, I had a yeah. couple that were just like stuck That's to each other. Yeah. It just was what it was. And after I kind of like ripped them apart, they were fine. But they're nice little weighty metal chips. And the player dashboard is pretty well laid out as well as far as here's your player board. Everything you need to know. Even the instructions of when you uh, are stunned and you die. Mm. Quote unquote. From taking too much damage. All of it's laid out. Very nice. Easy to follow. Yeah. So... Components are nice. I like Components them. are super nice. This has become, as you've all heard, a major go-to for me and my girlfriend. So a lot of the times I feel like I should spend the money to get extra components to make it a premium, like one of those upgradable upgradability mm-hmm. factors. But out of the box, honestly, everything is, is pretty solid the way that it is. There's not much you really really need to upgrade yeah to st- unless you bought plastic tokens online like acrylic damage tokens maybe yeah or like fake galleons or or sickles maybe mm-hmm. but ultimately you're pretty you're pretty good right out of the box yeah gameplay the one thing that i really do enjoy about this and the one thing that i think made it so easy for me to have someone who's a non-gamer jump into it is you start off with a very basic game. 
You yes. have a few villains. You take them on one at a time. You have a small deck um, that introduces you to how to spend resources to upgrade your cards, so on and so forth. And your upgrade card pool, the ones that you're like available to buy, yeah. are very simple. They're like... If this is an attack card, this mm-hmm. is a better attack card sort yeah. of situation. They don't try to throw it too much at you at once in that very opener. So much so that the rules even talk about if you know deck builders and you feel comfortable with how to play a deck building game, you can literally jump into game three. Yeah. Because we're going to take some baby steps with you. Yeah. So they do go through and they just keep introducing one new thing, one or two new things each game um, as you progress through it. So you get more and more comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it keeps it interesting because every every box that you open is kind of like jumping into the next book. They add villains from another book. Yeah, you're looking at level games one through seven. If you're a Harry Potter fan, there are mm-hmm. seven books. Mm-hmm. Eight movies, but seven books. Rough, while it's very movie heavy, mm-hmm. as far as the art and style is concerned, each book game quote-unquote relatively reflects the events of that year for harry potter at hogwarts yeah you're gonna see villains um introduced right about the right time that you would actually see them in the books Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i i enjoyed that aspect and so it's one of the things like okay that's that's how they're doing it cool so book one or game one is really like book one or so yeah so, and the one nice thing is uh, also the replayability mm-hmm. when we get into that. Um, one, they have the expansion. I personally do not have the expansion yet mm-hmm. because we haven't finished replaying it. It hasn't gotten stale for us just yet. And that's that's good. There's yeah. a lot in there to go with it because mm-hmm. gameplay-wise, there's enough randomness because it's which... As you said, game one, you're facing one villain at a time. Eventually, you get up to three at a time. Mm -hmm. And they all have special abilities. And then it starts becoming, okay, who came out together and who's the major threat on the board Mm -hmm. that you need to target first because it's making your lives worse. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you need to take out the Dementor before you focus on uh, one of the Malfoys because... Mm-hmm. The, the Dementor is that much worse. Doing damage straight to you right away versus, okay, well, if this if very this rare event, thing... If this event happens, then bad stuff happens. But the Dementor is, every turn this happens, yeah, you might want to take him out first. Yeah. Um, the other cool thing I thought was, yeah, that's one way. And then all of a sudden, um, we would have... Oh, what 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 terrible combination it was. I think, yeah, we had Dolores Umbridge, the Basilisk, and Dementor out all at once. Mm-hmm. That's one of the meanest combinations I've seen, because they're not... Yeah. None of those are nice. Yeah. So... And I do love the fact that uh, when, you, when you play this game, or you know people who play this game, they'll want to reach out to you when they have those kinds of situations. I had uh, one of our... Our friend, someone who's DMing for, uh, for us on, on our on a biweekly uh, tabletop game, he texted me out of the blue and said, "I played Harry Potter last night, and I need you to hear this combo that happened to me. Right. I had these three character or these three villains up, and then I played these dark art cards in a row, 
Yes. To the point where it gave me nine damage first turn of the game. Before I did anything. Yeah. Yeah. So, gameplay-wise, it grows with you. Mm -hmm. It takes you a little bit, a little bit, as you said. Game one, very basic. Game two, our Mm. characters now have an ability, so Ron does something different than Hermione. Where game Mm -hmm. one, nobody has any special ability, period. It's just, hey, jump in the game, get a feel for it. Get a feel for how the game core mechanics work. And the game core mechanics work very simple. You flip a dark art card, which is essentially the board doing something nasty to you. Mm. Usually directly, but sometimes it affects everybody. Depending on how bad the game is going, or how much progress the bad guys have made, maybe you're drawing two of those cards a turn instead Mm -hmm. of one. And then you move into playing your cards and playing what your hand is. You earn attack points, and and then um, I call them recruit points because I've played too many deck builders. I kind of homogenize mm-hmm. most of my terms. Um, but it's like Ministry... Was it Ministry of Magic? The coins, yeah. yeah. I call them resources because I'm lazy. Play guards to gain resources such as the power attack tokens and influence tokens. Essentially, the influence tokens you spend to buy cards that are available face up there's uh six cards every turn and then if i buy something at the end of my turn it gets refilled for your for the next player's Mm -hmm. turn so you know as you buy new cards to add to your deck and make your deck more powerful Mm -hmm. it also refreshes the shop is what i call it because yeah maybe it's something that the next card that flips is better good for you and that's something that you've been waiting for yeah so, and that's the core of the game, and you essentially assign your damage to the bad guys, and then when they're defeated, you usually get a reward, you get through all the villains of that game, you win. Yeah. Sounds simple. And games one through three Super are, simple. are yeah. about that simple. Games four, five, six, seven, it gets tough sometimes, because yeah. then you're playing the multiple villains at once, you're playing what combinations come up. That's mm-hmm. where the game gets a little bit trickier, and sometimes luck comes into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen games where we've just steamrolled it. And mm-hmm. I've seen games where no matter what we could do, the perfect gameplay for us mm-hmm. would never get us ahead. Yeah. Because the wrong cards came up for us, and all the right cards came for the bad guys. Me and, uh, me and my girlfriend and her friend played uh, at this point two weeks ago. And it was one of those where, no matter what we did, the the combo that we had out there um, was doing so much damage to us. We kept getting knocked out. We kept putting uh, villains on the location. Mm -hmm. And we just got to the point where we got to the last location. We're drawing three Dark Arts cards every turn. And we we, we beat two villains by the time that we're drawing two, three, four. Mm Mm-hmm. Some of the villains will cause you to draw more Dark Arts cards. And for those of you who don't know what Dark Arts cards are, they're the ones who say, hey... Take some damage. Take some damage. Hey, put something on the location. Hey, you're going to screw something over, so... Make this choice and draw the next card. Yeah. 
So that's your gameplay. The one thing I do like is the fact that it does grow and unlock and new everything is marked. So it actually even says like this card game from game two, this is the game three. Mm-hmm. So you can sort and undo everything. It's not like a legacy game where like, hey, once I open that box, it's it's forever open. You can actually repack it and reset it to game one or game four mm-hmm. or game five, whatever whatever level you liked. I wish the rule books were a little bit more involved because they're like folded pieces of paper. They were smart enough that in the main rule book, there's like six tuck pages on the back end mm-hmm. that you can that you slip them in once you once you open the boxes. But I have now one, two, three, four, five, six of these plus the rule book. If I want to be able to reference everything, mm-hmm. granted, well, once you've played the game enough, you don't really need to reference it, and most of the stuff just compounds upon itself. Now I will debate that only because once you get to game six. You only need that game six uh, little tiny leaflet. Because it will go over everything that's going to happen in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a little... I will say it's a little a little odd. Only because when you are trying to go through it, you have... You still, um, you still need game four unless you memorize what all the dice do. Okay, fair enough. So, yeah, it's... The game four adds the dice, so... That's where they put the dice rules. Okay. And they don't repeat them. Other than saying in game six, all the other rules apply. Okay. Plus these new changes. Fair enough. Fair enough. And that's just my minor grief. Small thing. Not a huge deal breaker for me. The biggest deal breaker in this game for me personally Mm -hmm. was this was a two to four player game called Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle. My initial brainchild of this game was awesome. I'm going to play... Hogwarts game. It's up to four players. What's the thing that has four in the Harry Potter? The houses. Are four houses. Yeah. So I was under the impression there would be someone, a Gryffindor player, a Ravenclaw player, Hufflepuff player, and a Slytherin player. Mm. And you'd play as the houses and your deck building would be getting the characters for your said house and whatever. Instead of we're getting main character and we're playing essentially Gryffindor, the mm. Hogwarts game. I'm not going to, the game itself, the gameplay is so good that I'm not going to, like, say that's a negative. Yeah. But it was a a, a a thought I had that, wow, I think this is going to be a great game. I, you know, people really identify with particular houses. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily identify with particular characters yeah. when it comes to the Harry Potter. It was more geared towards, instead of just being, like, a Harry Potter universe game, it was a... Uh... What exactly happened from the point of view Let's of... play Harry and the I got into trouble at school game. Yeah. Again. Yeah. And again. Mm-hmm. And again. I haven't played the expansion at all. You have the expansion. Have you actually jumped into the expansion? I have. Okay. I haven't completed it. I've played um, half of it so far. Okay. So the expansion itself is uh, Hogwarts Battle, the Monster Box of Monsters expansion. And when it was teased... Again, I got that wrong impression because they introduced Luna Lovegood. Mm-hmm. The game is still up to four players. Luna Lovegood becomes a fifth character option. So you still only play a max four players, but now you have an extra character to, to, to kind of mix it up with. So if nobody really wants to play Ron, they have another uh, character to play with. Mm-hmm. Um, again... They break it out very nicely, very simply. There are, of course, four boxes. You play box one, you crack the components open, you get to do that stuff. 
and they they build the game in in that fashion again and that's what i really do enjoy about it is you definitely have a way to keep building so new encounters uh creature cards Mm. are the new thing so they they're like villains but they do a little bit different stuff and then they might synergize off each other and there's some item cards that you can buy that affect creatures versus non-creatures mm. so they mix it up a little bit in that sense but ultimately um not in any gr- fundamental groundbreaking way it's more good stuff mm-hmm. for a game that's already full of good stuff so who would you recommend this game for I'd recommend this game for anyone who has any kind of faint interest in Harry Potter. It is, um, it's made by the op, the OP, mm-hmm. USopoly. Um, they make a lot of family games. They make a lot of games for younger audience. Now, this game says it's ages 11 plus. If you have a child or a niece or a nephew or anyone who can read, who have right. read the Harry Potter books, anything like this, they it's reading dependent symbol yeah there is there's... it's more reading dependent than symbol dependent i think that's where they try to put that benchmark on but mm-hmm. if you've got a kid who's reading harry potter they can read this game yeah there's nothing too crazy about it my my nine-year-old nephew can jump into this game just fine mm-hmm. so it all depends on making sure they can read otherwise it's going to be a lot of you sitting there playing two hands because you have to read it for someone else right but not impossible, uh, just a way to play. Yeah. Um, but this is a game that, like we've said multiple times, my non-gaming girlfriend is obsessed with it. It, for a long time, had to stay in the trunk of my car just in case we ever went somewhere with her friends and she wanted to bust it out. Now it's even progressed farther than that, that she's requiring that I keep it at her house so if she wants to play it when I'm not there, she's able to play it. It's a fun, it's an easy game, it's it's, yeah, just a great game to bust out when you have a small group of friends to play with. Yeah, no, I really can't say anything else other than that. It is an easy family game, runs really quick, has a strong theme, and honestly, you might be looking for more out of a deck builder game, but that's when you get into things like Thunderstone Quest mm-hmm. or... Um, if you really want to go into the classic deck builder, you go into Dominion and it's insane amount of expansions, or mm-hmm. you go to like legendary Marvel Legendary. There are other options to go into, but as far as hey, I want to learn a deck building game and I want that mechanic, yeah. this is the game to go to. Yes, yes. Um, I like it for that a lot, mm-hmm. and I'm very happy to have talked to some some folks and. There is that rumor out there. They're working on another expansion still. Like, it's I'm been hoping, a while. I'm hoping. I'm curious to see if they're doing something with like Fantastic Beasts and where to find them as the mm-hmm. next kind of like, hey, let's try to tack on some of the new stuff into mm-hmm. this game that we already have, mm-hmm. which is fine. Yeah. I will also say this is a good game to introduce anyone to who's very against card games because uh, I initially bought this at Gen Con last year Mm -hmm. for my girlfriend and the moment I told her I bought her a card game she brought up Magic the Gathering and how she will never sit through another game of that and it took us a while to get her to finally say okay let's sit down let's play this and then the moment she played she was hooked so Mm -hmm. it's it's a good 
good introductory. Hopefully they keep adding to the story. Hopefully they keep right. throwing more into it because it's it's a lot of that has to do with it's cooperative mm-hmm. and it's and it's like it's it's cooperative. it's non collectible. Like there's a lot of like it's, good stuff going on. It's cooperative with an IP that is well recognized and well loved. True, because there are tons of cooperative games. Like we can play, um, we can play. What is that um, upper deck game? Um, le- uh, legendary Firefly. Mm-hmm. There's a legendary encounters Firefly. Legendary encounters Firefly. Legendary encounters. Um, Alien. Alien. Big X Trouble. X Files. Big Trouble in Little China. James Bond is coming. Yeah. So I mean, if you found someone who's interested in those, like you know, I have, I have, um, Legendary Encounters Firefly. Mm-hmm. Now, me trying to find someone who would say, "Hey, let's actually sit down and play this," is going to be a smaller group than me saying, "Hey, I have this deck building game based off of Harry Potter." Right. So. It, so, Harry Potter, definitely worth it. Um, I would caution if you're looking for a super deep strategy game. Or have, you know, like, those deck builders were, like, those choices really fundamentally, like, what am I adding to my deck, really impacts it. Not so much in this one. Uh, Not so much compared to others. That's true, okay. Well, I will will argue that because in Legendary Encounters or um, Legendary, Mm -hmm. Upper Deck Legendary, you can get rid of cards. Yes. In this game, you cannot. So you, once you get to those later games, you go, is it really worth it for me to decide whether or not... Uh-oh. Are we going into the expansion right now? You're giving me that look. Strike uh, strike my comments from the record. Well, if you're playing the base game, In you, the do, ba- you, you do have to think of it. You, you have to think, is it worth it for me to get two influence tokens or draw a card? Or should I just ignore that for a while and buy something else? Right. So... In the expansion, it does allow you to purge cards. I'm buying that expansion tomorrow because that's my biggest pet peeve. And that that is one of the biggest things that I'm not a fan of in this game. Coming from more complex deck builders is those starting 10 cards Mm -hmm. are garbage Mm -hmm. 45 minutes into the game. Yeah. Because, oh, I get to draw this. Yay, it's a one thing. I just drew... I don't get to combo it. I just drew a hand of starting cards. Yeah. I don't know how many times I've done that late game and gone, I might as well not have played a turn. Yeah. Because too much stuff is going on. Either way, the core game, very good, very high replay value. It does have a couple minor flaws. Set your expectations right, and you'll have a good time. Mm-hmm. Good for great gateway gamers. If you're looking for something with more meat... Thunderstone Quest is where I would probably point you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, it's what you want. And if you just want a light card game that you can have fun with friends, Hogwarts Battle is a good fit. If you're looking for a family game and you don't want to end up with a divorce and your kids are trying to run away from home, instead the- of Monopoly, pick up this game. Monopoly? Yeah. You you went late. You could play Diplomacy and <laughs> And have that go on. Yeah. So, either way, definitely recommend. But as that caveat, it is on the lighter side. It is that gateway mm-hmm. game. So, it may not be for your hardcore gamers. Mm-hmm. Um, but your hardcore gamers who have a non-gaming f- family. Definitely. This is how you get them hooked. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. So definitely, definitely, definitely good recommendation. There's a reason why we've had 19 episodes now that you've talked about this game. And probably another 19 after this that you will still be talking about this mm-hmm. game. There's a reason for it. So definitely pick it up if that's something that's interesting to you. Um, makes a great gift. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And uh, has a great pre- presentation and doesn't take up a lot of space. It's on, on the more compact side of mm-hmm. game boxes, too. Definitely. So next time on Tabletop Arcanum... We're going to talk about... So you're going to Gen Con. So I'm going to Gen Con? I hope you're going to Gen Con. I'm going to Gen Con. Oh, man. I should probably prepare. What am I going to do? We'll tell you next time on Tabletop Arcanum Z. You've been listening to Tabletop Arcanum, hosted by Justin Taylor and Richard Geese, and featuring the original music by Paul Moore and Isaac Gilbert. You can follow us on most social media platforms. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. As always, thanks for listening. Thank you.